Folks, welcome back. Another edition of Shaking Your World. We have, of course, John Borowski is lingering with us, still in the house today. And uh, we brought forward Yami to talk about some of her experiences primarily in the Cook County Coroner's Office. So John obviously is conversed with dealing with uh, all sorts of serial killers and crime and people doing all sorts of unseemly things to people. And Yami had some experiences putting people back together, I guess we'll maybe say that. I mean, you could kind of say that I put people back together in a way. Um, I worked at the, well, I interned at the coroner's office uh, from 2018 to 2019, right after high school. I wasn't in college yet. Um, I was kind of just starting off, but I wanted to get a head start in what my career was going to be. My mother um, works for the county office. She um, is just like an accountant there, but she has some hookups, so she found the chief coroner for the coroner's office and we kind of hit him up and said, hey, I'm kind of interested in working with dead bodies and I got pulled in. It was a really interesting thing to do. Not a lot of people can handle it, especially at the age of like what I was. I was around 18 years old, um, but I really appreciated the experience that I got for that because not many people are able to experience that, especially if they want to go into that field as well. So ultimately, what do you want to be doing with yourself? I, well, right now I'm in school for biomedical sciences. I go to UWM. Um, and then after that, after I get my bachelor's, I want to go and to become an autopsy technician, which is about another two years after my bachelor's. And then I kind of want to take a break. And then I want to become a forensic pathologist, go into middle or med school. So a lot. And that's important because like we were talking before, you know, I had mentioned at my conventions, parents will come up to my booth with their little daughter and say, well, we're worried about her. She's too much into this true crime stuff. And I say, no, nurture that because we need her. We need people to figure out and solve these crimes and figure out why these criminals are doing these things. She could be a future forensic pathologist, behavior pro profiler, uh, you know, a law enforcement officer, a judge, you know, something involved with that system so that's why I told them to nurture it you know I, but obviously don't give them dead animals to work on <laughs> we've seen where they could go in that direction no dead animals there. but I do think it's important for especially women in this career to want to be in it because not many women are in this career and it's mainly men and there's only about 90 pathologists in the world so if there's a woman that wants to be in that field as well I feel like that's something special um, so even if they're young and they love all that stuff like for me I'm such a horror movie like crime junkie too and that's from when I was little I've always been interested in that and still am so when I started out and told my mother I want to be a forensic pathologist she looked at me a little weird and was like I don't think you want to do that but when I got pulled into the coroner's office Literally, the only thing that was like, you're going to get hired, is they showed me a dead body. They took me to the back, to where they had all their bodies. They're in the orange bags. One officer just opened one up for me. And instead of fainting, which he thought I was going to do, I said, okay, it's a dead body. We all die. Something natural. So I'm not going to be scared of it. And I also do special effects makeup. So I am kind of drawn towards gore in a way. Not to sound a little creepy, but um, this all just kind of looked like makeup to me. I thought of it in a way of, okay, they're not dead in my mind, this is just makeup. And I have to kind of put my feelings aside, so I wasn't able to really express my feelings 
in a way that it could have, or most people do, especially looking at a dead person. Um, so my feelings were definitely put away, kind of cold-hearted in a way, but. You have to. Well, yeah. you're, you're in the right place. So, um, you know, women have a, a tendency to have a much different perspective on everything, obviously. But certainly you as a uh, budding pathologist would have a different perspective. You, if you get into behavioral sciences, have a different perspective than men do as well. And I think that overall we're missing something that's part of the great disconnect that takes place here. So I think it's important to have that perspective on every facet you could possibly entertain. Um, so very cool for you. Now you have a couple of interesting little stories that you shared with me uh, when you interviewed here. Care to? Of course. So the first day I worked at the coroner's office, I used to go on call-outs where I would go to the crime scenes. Um, as my first day, I was definitely a little bit nervous. Um, I was with another intern at that time and she kind of comforted me in a way. This was my first time I was going to see an actual dead body in its specific place of death with the family there. We went to this person's home. I walked in, everybody was crying on the couch. All the dogs were in the cages, just kind of away from all the cops. I go upstairs with one officer and we go into the bedroom and this lady is dead on her bed. I wanted to cry, I'm not gonna lie, I did want to cry because I felt just so hurt, especially from the cries from the children and the husband. These kids were probably like middle school. To see that their dead mother is just lying in the bed is insane. So I wanted to cry, I held it all in. I was helping put together all the pills that this person had so we could take it back to the office and see what she was on. I helped take pictures, I helped put the body in the bag, and I just felt kind of in a way where I wanted to cry so bad, but the officer even looked at me and said, nope, you can't do it. You're not gonna be able to do it. And if I couldn't be able to handle this one, what else am I gonna handle? Especially if I'm going back that same day and performing that autopsy on that lady. Yeah. And when we brought her back, we did perform that autopsy. And it was crazy because we gathered around a book that she had, like a diary, and we read it and kind of figured out why she did what she did. It was um, a suicide, but it was extremely sad. I can't imagine it, how it felt towards the family. I almost felt the way that they felt a little bit, but over time, I continuously just got numb. So every time I went to a different scene, it was just like, okay, I'm here to work. Another time, um, a little bit further into my internship, we went to a cornfield. In that cornfield, we went miles out, and there is a man in his car who I don't know how he got his car so deep in that cornfield. He was in there, he was about an elderly man, by maybe 85 years old, dead obviously in his front seat. The car was extremely damaged. But when we were there, I helped get the body out of the car and it was in the dead winter. So this is extremely cold. It's probably like six o'clock at night. I'm freezing, everybody's freezing. We had to wait about an hour for the other cops to come up. Meanwhile, we were taking pictures, we're gathering all the evidence that we can grab, and then we brought him back to the autopsy suite, performed the autopsy. 
he must have died from a car crash. Um, it was in a weird street, just in the middle of nowhere. So I don't know if he was just driving around and somebody hit him, or I don't know how he got into that cornfield, but we never found that out really. It was really um, specific about the autopsies that I could do too. So I was never able to do homicides. I was able to do suicides, um, like overdoses, stuff like that. They did not want to burn my brain in a way for homicides because there were so many cops in one room too and they didn't want to really get me into that yet because I was so young. And I'm sure if I were in there now, it would be totally okay. Same with babies. I was never able to do autopsies on babies at all. They didn't want to ruin my brain as well either, even though I don't want any kids. I still don't want to do autopsies on babies. Um, it's just sad. I've even done autopsies on people that I've known. My cousin's little brother's father died about a couple years ago. And when he was brought into the autopsy suite, I didn't know who we were doing that day. I walked in and then I saw the last thing. And I was like, huh, wait a second. Called over my cousin and I was like, did this person die? She said, yes. And I said, I'm doing his autopsy right now. So when they came in to view the body, I knew them. It was part of kind of my family. I've known them since I've grown up. But when I was doing the autopsy, I obviously couldn't have feelings. I just put my mind aside and said, this is my work. I have to get this done. And that's the mindset that you have to have, especially for doing autopsies. You can't go in there having feelings for the dead, you know? That's why I said, okay, like this is kind of makeup to me. Whatever this is, this is natural, but I do this, let's say, with makeup. So this is all just a thing in my head that you kind of have to put yourself in. You can't go in there saying, oh, I feel so bad for these people. You're not gonna work through it you whatsoever. Can't. People will go in and say, yeah, I could see an autopsy be done. They go in, they're fainted, and within five minutes on the floor, cold white, and we're like, well, you said you can handle it, and you can't now, so you really have to have that specific mindset to really do these things. So what's the most gruesome thing that you worked on? <laughs> uh -oh. Okay. Um, there is a body that we picked up. He had just been hit. He was a motorcycle. Um, he was driving his motorcycle. Got hit by a semi-truck. Brain matter everywhere. Arms everywhere they were off of his body deca decapitated head we have to put that body together it was like a puzzle piece it was crazy i felt like i was playing tetris <laughs> in a way um but it was just so gruesome because his brain is like half out of his body um his we're putting together where his arms used to be. His fingertips are not there anymore. His toes are not there anymore. He has missing a foot. And it's crazy because of the impact that you could have if you don't watch where you're going too. Especially drunk drivers. A lot of people that would come in that were drunk driving, oh, their bodies are insane. Insane. I had a couple who died um, that was fairly known around my entire um, neighborhood. They had died and when they came into the autopsy, I knew who the family was as well. So when they came in to view the body, I know I had just finished that autopsy and we couldn't show them the head. We couldn't. No. They would be scarred. 
So there's a lot of gruesome stuff, but I think the most gruesome one that I've done was definitely that accident with the motorcycle. Just looking at it in general, insane. I've done more gruesome stuff as getting the vitreous off the eyes and right. cutting the ribs open, right. but I like doing that in a scientific way. Right. Not enough. This is kind of weird and fun. No. <laughs> Very scientifically. Do they? Is it normal for them to send pathologists out to the crime scene, or was that just for your training? So I think it's different. Um, it's usually the chief coroner who comes out, right. not more so the pathologist. The pathologist will already be there when the autopsy is needed to be done. So we had two. We had two op um, pathologists. One was a lady and one was a man. Now they were both different in teaching though. So the man would um, teach me step by step on how to do things. That autopsy would take two hours to do. Whereas the woman would teach me things but she would also hurry it up. So the man would take a couple more hours to teach you every single thing. Rather the woman's like, yeah, this is what you do and you cut the body up this way, you have to cut the organs this way, and autopsy would be done in 30 minutes. It's definitely a weird paste for different people. So I liked working with the girl um, because we would get things done, we would have seven autopsies that needed to be done by the end of the day. And there's a lot that come, especially during the day as well. So yeah, we would have seven, and then there's a call out for two more bodies. We would have to add another two. And the fridge was just jam-packed. We had um, this elevator kind of a thing, where we would bring the bodies up to a specific little hole in the wall, put the body in there. Obviously it's very cold in there, so they are preserved well, but it was extremely jam-packed. Going in there myself, by myself, to grab the body was kind of terrifying at the start. They did a little um, trick on me where they laid in the bag. <laughs> no. And I was in there. That's my worst nightmare. <laughs> it's like, because I did, I did go to a uh, morgue once. I knew someone who was a morgue attendant and you, and they opened the door and I was scared to walk in because you just see, you know, all these yeah. bodies covered and they're working on one right in front of you. And I thought one was gonna, that's always my worst fear, imagine that. I ran out of that fridge so fast. <laughs> I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, who else is gonna pop oh. up? And they were like, no, 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 it's just me. That's Thankfully awful. it was my favorite officer that worked there at the time. So I was like, okay, like, I hate you, but at the same time, like, don't ever do that again. Um, it was definitely terrifying. I loved working on them by myself. I would have to do the fingerprints, and I would just have to lay with them. I would have to break the rigor mortis. Breaking the rigor mortis is very hard. You have to bend your fingers all the way back and forward to try to break that bone a little bit. And then I would literally have to grab their hand and just swipe it on our fingerprint machine. Sometimes they would grab me. So your body still moves at times because of just the stiffness sometimes, so it'll just kind of grab you. So one time I was <laughs> I was fingerprinting one and all of a sudden just clamped onto my hand. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I was like, please don't let that be true. I looked down, I was like, oh my God, I don't remember the name of it, but Jane Doe, please let me go. I was talking to them as if I knew them too. So <laughs> it was a little creepy for me, but I honestly miss it so much. I would definitely go back. It's definitely an experience that I feel like if you are going to go into the forensic field, you would need to view a body. You need to do an autopsy. You need to put your feelings aside, all of that. 
It's not for the week. I didn't even know I could stomach that. I've never watched any crime show. I still don't till this day. I don't believe anything in them because it's obviously not real. I've only seen Dexter. That's about it. People in school would be like, oh yeah, you're Dexter because you cut the bodies up. I'm like, yes, but in a helpful way, <laughs> not in a I'm going to kill you way. So it's definitely something to consider if you definitely are going into friends or So now that you've been doing the Cream City Cannibal Tour with us, how do you feel about what you did before? How do you feel about the tour? How do you feel about what, what Dahmer had done? How do you make all these things work in your mind? And do you have any questions of John? When I'm on the tour, I do mention that I was um, previously working at a morgue to kind of get them in their head of, I know how a dead body smells. I'm going to try to explain that to you because when he was hiding bodies in his grandmother's house, she didn't smell it. And that smell is horrible, especially for a decomposing body. A decomposing body is the worst thing to smell. I never want to smell that again sometimes. I would have to wear three masks in the autopsy suite to wear, to do that. So when I explain, yeah, he had a um, victim in his basement for about a week and it started to decompose. After it decomposed, he didn't like that smell, so he dismembered all the body parts. The smell of that is horrendous, especially with the black box. He had the remains of Anthony Sears in that black box. All, they would decompose over time, especially if he had it in that locker. The smell of that is horrendous. So when I do these tours, I will usually tell them, yes, the dead body smells horrible. So whoever was around that especially cops when they brought Conorak back up to that house he had the decomposing of Tony body of Tony Hughes in his bedroom how did the cops not understand the smell I understand like maybe cops don't know that smell too often but I would figure yeah you're a cop you should know what that smell is and if you smell that shouldn't you be like this doesn't seem right and that's not meat that went bad this is a decomposing body that you had on your floor in your bedroom. Let's take a look around. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I don't get. And you know, how would, you know, how effective is covering the smell? You know, because that's the big thing about Gacy. And again, I keep going back to him, but you know, he covered the body, he buried the bodies under his house and then yeah. he would throw lime over to cover the smell. But you know, I've uncovered recently that nobody ever smelled anything in that house. They said there was a smell, but not even the police officers. Cause I found that recently I interviewed the assistant state's mm. attorney and he said, they came back and they said, we didn't smell anything. We, nothing was wrong. There. Hmm. And then he said, well, are you sure? Did you smell something? And because they had to get the second search warrant. So, you know, that's what always amazes me, yeah. right? The people, how could they have not put that together? But I always think that Dahmer selected that building because people are like, everything goes on there. It's just nasty. And maybe that was their he mindset. He covered up the smell either. He said, nope. it's me. Right. That's what it is. That's right. it. And it's like, yeah. Or his ah. fish died or whatever the case might right. be. Yeah. Fish sure. died, yeah. bad meat, whatever, sure. you know. My sure. fish have died before. Trust me, it's <laughs> not a bad smell. It's not yeah. as worse as a decomposing body. No. It's insane. So when I do these tours, I like to give people a little bit of a picture, especially um, when we're like walking to the bars. I like to say, well, this is, I want to give you a picture as if you're like in a movie kind of a thing. And I like to tell my stories as if it's very um, intense, kind of like a horror movie plot kind of a thing. And when people are giving me reviews about my tour, they're like, oh my God, you did such a good job. I felt like I was in literally like a 
movie kind of a thing. Nice. Felt like I was in a documentary. And that makes me happy because that's what I want to give people, especially when I'm doing these tours. Um, I love the Cream City Cannibal Tour because I feel like that's kind of where I'm at in my career-wise too, trying to help the loved ones that have passed on. And I like to give that story of Dahmer's victims to other people that may not know about his victims either. There's a lot of people on my tours. When I start off, I say, did you watch the new Netflix documentary? Some of them say yes, some of them say no. I'm like, okay, well, that was a good documentary, but something's not documentary, you won't really correct. So in this tour, you are gonna get the real perspective of what's actually happening, especially with his victims. We're gonna be talking about specifically his victims, although we are gonna talk about a little bit of his life in general, but more specifically his victims. We're gonna take you to the clubs that he used to pick up the victims. We're gonna talk about them in chronological order so you can get that real view of what actually happened. Like when they kind of messed up with a Tracy Edwards, they made him a homosexual. That wasn't true. Right. So when I'm talking about that, people are like, wait, that didn't happen? Like, no. This is what happened, and when they finished my tour, they're like, oh my god, that was so informative. We're wrapping up right now, and uh, you've had some fascinating stories and experiences. I'm glad you shared those with us. I do have a question, though. So how do you bring this whole, whole thing together when you're, you're doing your tours out there? So what components uh, predicated upon your experience do you think make the most difference with the people on the tours, the Cream City Cannibal Tour? Yeah, so when I'm talking, let's say, for Eddie Smith, where he picked him up at Phoenix, um, I mentioned I have a little story about him. Um, my boyfriend's father actually was a friend of his. They grew up together in elementary school and he has a really funny story that I would share with them as well as he, my boyfriend's father and his cousin, uh, his cousin snitched on Eddie Smith and my boyfriend's father because they had candy and she didn't. So my boyfriend's father paid Eddie to smack her across the face. And he did it. So I like to share these stories because you're not only getting the information of what you really did come here for, but you're also leaving with a little bit more. So that makes you want to come back and get more information, do your research. Um, so that's why when I like to give these tours, I want to give out as much as I can. I've even done my own research on my own a little bit. Like when I mentioned his high school, I mentioned the yearbook prank. That's not really said about um, much, but I like to mention that. I like to mention the Dahmer Club that was put together with him where they would just make fun of him, have people pay to see him fake seizures in the hallways and stuff like that. And when people are done my tour, they're like, wow, I actually didn't know that. And I'm like, well, I, gave, I wanted to give you the information that you were meant to have, especially coming on this tour. It's so not only getting, yes, the victims, you're, also, you're getting the victim stories, you're also getting a little bit more of how he was so neglected in his life, how he was so betrayed, how he was just portrayed in general. Because obviously he had a problem. They didn't get him help from a young age, especially like his mother and father. His mother wasn't really there in his life at all. And like when he had, when he died and they wanted to examine his brain, how come his mother was the only one to want to get that examined as if she wasn't the one to traumatize it? As like his father, yes, I respect that he wanted to kind of keep away from getting it analyzed, but it would have been a great idea to get that analyzed because it's crazy to figure out what actually happened in the serial killer's mind. So I took a class, um, psychology and criminal mind before. We had to dig into all of that. There's so many people that if you sat there and talked to them, 
Sometimes they will tell you exactly what they did, which Dahmer did say everything in trial. But just that being said, if you really sit there and do your research and figure out why this person did what he did, there's so much stuff that TV doesn't even talk about. There are so many Dahmer movies, but which one is the best? There's like that My Friend Dahmer where it's perspective from his friend. And that could be 100% true. You don't know what actually happened, but you could get the facts that aren't really on TV. TV puts on such a big play, especially the new Netflix series. That's why when I do my tours, I'm like, yes, that was a great show, but you, that's not true. So you are going to get what you came here for. You are going to get all the information. And they do leave with that, and they're very happy with that, which I 100% appreciate, 100%. So the human element, the actual stories, the person is really what you can put into the factual nature of the yeah. tour and to humanize yeah. it to some yeah. degree. Perfect. Thank you for sharing, you know, the truths of the case and your yeah. experiences. <laughs> wow, because I'm sure anyone on that tour would, you know, appreciate that. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I thank you both for being here today. <laughs> Folks, I thank you very much for tuning in. Again, I look forward very much to your comments. And, uh, you know, do the best you can. Enjoy yourselves and be good to the people that you're with. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. Nostrovia. <laughs>